Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in beautiful, sunny Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is the co-host of FCS Nation, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is coming to you from what was windy and rainy Florida. You know, the games last week, look, one of them really surprised me, and two of them didn't. The Mercer game against North Alabama, Mercer won 17-7, to but both of those teams looked a bit offensively challenged, Stone. Uh, the Bears won the game, and that's the important thing if you ask them or their partisans, but it wasn't pretty. There were no style points won by either football team, and the Bears are going to need a lot more out of quarterback Carter Peavy if they're going to be a Southern Conference contender, bro. Yeah, it just seemed like they were spinning their tires offensively. Like, there wasn't much going on in this game. There's not even many no were the plays that came from this. There was a stat that I took myself that I thought was uh, hopefully not telling for the rest of the season, but hey, maybe it is for Mercer. Maybe they want to pound the rock. So PV with 17 pass attempts, 115 yards and a touchdown. But overall, as far as how many carries they had, that was 53. 53 rushes to 17 attempts through the air. So if a team's averaging about 70 plays a game, that means 75% of the play calls that came in for the Bears, they wanted to keep it on the ground. I don't know if that was a game plan thing, had more so to do with UNA, or that's going to be this team's identity this year, right? New quarterback and, and having a transition. But there's so many guys on the outside, like Ty James, who we saw score pretty early in that game, who's a stud. I think that he wants his quarterback throwing the ball more than 17 times a game. So that was kind of one of the stats that I took away, because other than that, man, there wasn't much going on in this game. A combined, what, 24 points total? But uh, yeah, Mercer came out, and, and they're 1-0. I think that's all they were worried about. Now, you'll hear people say, well, you know, neither one of these teams really wanted to show anything. Stone, it's a football game, right? right? That is just so much BS, is it not? I mean, I mean, it is and it isn't. It really depends on what your coach is preaching. I think that, you know, holding it close to the hip more so is for maybe a Montana State this week who has South Dakota State next week. And Montana State, obviously a, a pretty soft opponent in Utah Tech. So I think that for a situation like that, they'll want to not show their cards. But as far as it goes for Mercer UNA and either of those teams and who they have next, no, it doesn't really apply to them. Number 19, Jackson State 37, South Carolina State 7. Boy, howdy, was I wrong about this one. And Stone head coach TC. Taylor and his staff, they tried to tell me all spring summer and fall camp that the Tigers were going to be explosive on offense and I didn't listen that's my fault well I'll tell you what I'm a listening now y'all QB Jason Brown was outstanding 26 of 30 356 yards and three touchdowns 87 percent completion percentage just an absolute dominant performance by Jackson State yeah this one had me scratching my head because obviously Jackson State looked really good offensively had a lot of power behind it and, and they were scoring in every type of way that they possibly could find pay dirt they were doing that but for me it was more so South Carolina State. What was going on here? You, you heard from Coach Buddy Pugh before they headed into the locker room at halftime, and he legitimately said, now it's about finding out what we have for next year and, and which one of our young guys can step up and be a contributor for the rest of the season. And I've never heard that from a coach in my entire life in the middle of a football game, especially the first one of the season. So that had me questioning everything else that happened in this game. But Jason Brown was obviously stellar, almost 400 yards through the air, no turnovers in this game, three touchdowns. I thought he was good, and I thought that there were a lot of questions to be answered and I think Jason helped in answering those questions man that offense was sharp Irv Milligan was a nice pickup for Jackson State oh yeah from Walford running back he can catch the ball out of the backfield he's not afraid to run it between the tackles and he can run away from you too that was a very good use of the transfer portal by Jackson State Albany 34 Fordham 13 the Albany Great Danes looked really good last week Stone if that's the 11th best team in the CAA 
I'll eat your hat, Stone Labanowitz. QB Reese Poffenberger, four touchdowns, and the Albany defense held Fordham to just 235 total yards. I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about Albany on this show this season. They're going to be a very good football team, I think. And I'll say it again. If that's the 11th best team in the CAA, man, I'm just going to give up, quit watching football and talking about it because I know a decent team when I see one, and Albany looked pretty darn good. Kev, I can't remember correctly, but uh, who was it that was your upset special of the week last week? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't Albany. It was, uh, I, I did pick them to beat Fordham, but I, I picked South Carolina State. <laughs> oh, I forgot, dude. I just tried to tee you up to talk about how, how slick that pick was for Albany because I was obviously on Fordham's side here. I apologize, Kev. I didn't mean to do you like that. I really thought that the Albany was your, your upset special of the week. You picked these boys and you did confidently. And it had me questioning everything going into this game, whether or not we were going to see a Fordham team that looked like they lost legitimately half of their roster like they did or whether this Albany team is going to be competitive. You talked about being ranked 11 in that CAA. That's That bodes no confidence for any anybody on that roster and I think what they did was use it to their advantage right you have a a quarterback who's more than capable that's what we learned you knew he was more than capable I knew him just in legend not necessarily seeing him on paper I didn't have a chance to really dial in on Reese but boy Saturday I did I think that he put on a show four touchdowns through the air he was efficient for the most part 250 yards as well and I I think he spread the ball around to a a, a bunch of different receivers there was 23 receptions total from I I think a combined 12 receivers I like what Albany was doing I think offensively, if they just want to keep this up, keep this pace, I think they're a dangerous team in the CEA. You mentioned it. Fordham, yeah, just didn't look like they had. It seemed like, you know, too many players were missing. It was too early on in the season to find any rhythm. I felt bad for them out there, but hey, shouts to Albany. They were great. Front seven was outstanding. They whipped Fordham on the offensive and defensive line. Just absolutely wore them out. Everybody, we have some exciting news to share with you. Exciting news for us. And for you, FCS Nation is thrilled to announce our brand new partnership with Northwestern Mutual, a Fortune 100 company and a leading financial services company in the United States. With this collaboration, FCS Nation and Northwestern Mutual are joining forces to bring you unrivaled coverage about some of the best teams around the country and what's going on in their communities and how you can help outstanding causes like Alex's Lemonade Stand. Alex's Lemonade Stand is one of the most coveted ALS foundations in the country. Stay tuned for exclusive of content, contest, and much, much more. Visit our website at fcsnationradio.com to learn more about the exciting opportunities this partnership between FCS Nation Radio and Northwestern Mutual brings. Stone, huge deal for us. Yeah, Kev, huge deal is an understatement, I think. I think with this partnership, we're going to, in my opinion, break glass. A lot of the things that we're going to accomplish haven't been accomplished when it comes to media entities that cover the subdivision. So I'm excited for that. We have so many things in store. I don't even want to spill the beans on what Alex's Lemonade Stand is. To even have the opportunity to raise awareness for ALS, no matter how we do that, right? We're grateful for that. Northwestern Mutual is going to help us do that. And Northwestern Mutual is also going to help explain what it is, how you can donate, how you can compete, right? We talked about contests. I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about. There are going to be games of the week. We're going to be bringing on different branch managers, different star players from those teams in that market that are going to talk a little smack, that are going to pick some games with us. The internship program is another thing we're going to get into. I think a lot of the players in the FCS, man, if you align yourself with Northwestern Mutual, you're set. You're set for life. That's what they say, and that's not us just pushing any propaganda. I mean that when I say that, and I know you do as well. So, Kev, to to answer your first 
first point. Huge deal. Yeah, that's an understatement, man. This is a gigantic deal for us. And our first Northwestern Mutual National Players of the Week on offense. Quarterback Jason Brown from Jackson State. Brown was 26 of 30 for 356 yards and four touchdowns in the Tigers' 35-7 win over the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Our Northwestern Mutual National Defensive Player of the Week is Edwin White Schultz from North Alabama. Edwin White Schultz had 14 total tackles, nine solo, a tackle for a loss, and a forced fumble. Congratulations to Jason Brown, our Northwestern Mutual Offensive Player of the Week, and Edwin White Schultz, our Northwestern Mutual National Defensive Player of the Week. Coming up next, Stone will sit down with New Hampshire quarterback Max Brosmer in the Stone Cold QB segment. And later on, I'll sit down with Montana State beat writer for the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Mr. Braden Shaw. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Brosmer looking deep, has a man wide open. Heron Morrisow going to the pylon. Touchdown. It's week one. It's finally arrived, and so has the Stone Cold Quarterback segment where I go around the country each week looking for the best quarterbacks in the subdivision, looking for the best quarterbacks on the best teams around the country, and I landed in New Hampshire. That's where we have Mr. Max Brosmer. Max, appreciate you giving FCS Nation some time this week. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Stone. And I just wanted to jump right into this one, Max. What's the ultimate goal this season? Realistically, you guys finished 9-4, and 7-1 and one in conference play, second round of the playoffs, fall camp's over. Kickoff is literally a day away. The ultimate goal, something that you guys have talked about, something that you guys have set out. This is a journey you're embarking on. What is that to you guys right now? Number one is to win the national championship. Um, this is a very, very special team, um, one that doesn't really come around that often. Um, you know, I, I think you can you can feel it. You can you can see it if you're around the facility. Um, it's something that you know hasn't been um, in New Hampshire for a very long time, um, and this is a different team. And I'm really excited to, to start and show show the country what we got because it's something that's very special and that you know it shouldn't be taken for granted. New Hampshire sits at number 16 on FCS Nation's top 25 list, and you, Max, sit at number nine on Sam Herder of Hero Sports top 10 returning FCS quarterbacks. When you see lists like this, when you see your name parlayed to some of the bigger names around the country at the quarterback position, how does that make you feel? Is that something that you use or you try to look the other way and not pay attention to it you got bigger fish to fry um i think it's good recognition that, that sometimes you kind of like are in your head a little bit like hey what, what is the country team but ultimately it doesn't really matter uh, i think that uh, the thing that matters is, is dominating every single day here um and, and that list whether it was you know i was number one or wasn't even ranked um it doesn't change our mindset it didn't change my my mindset at all um, i'm trying to be the best quarterback i can be and, and whether that puts me um, at number one in the country or you know dead last um is all i can do is get my best so i think that you know, recognition is good in some cases but some Sometimes it'd be poison as well. So um, I think, you know, for me, it's just going to, you know, take it one day at a time and continue to work my ass off. So. Max, you just mentioned dominate every day. I'm wondering if that's a kind of mantra of the team, because one of my favorite questions to ask quarterbacks when I bring them on is, what is your guys' mantra this season? I, I know how coaches work, right? I was in a locker room as well. I know that whether it's before spring or after spring or leading into fall camp, these new shirts get printed, right? And they hand them out in every single one of your guys' locker, and they have a certain saying on them. For you guys this year, what is that one thing that coach keeps reiterating on every PowerPoint slide in every team meeting or just keeps preaching to you guys on the practice field? What is that for you guys? this year yeah so um you know last year was, was a revenge tour and so that was part of our mantra um this year is humble and hungry so i think um you know i think the the the, the stance behind that is people know what they're going to get with us um they're they're not going to be sleeping on us i think last year you know we were we were ranked at the, the bottom of the conference um you know we had a team coming out the three night season and people really weren't expecting a good football team last year um and so we had a good um, a good run at that with the revenge tour this year people are gonna know what they're gonna get so 
um, you know, remaining humble, but also, you know, hungry that we're going to, we're going to be the best team we can be and dominate every single game, every single Saturday. Um, and so uh, we can't underestimate every team going in. Uh, we got to know that they're going to be preparing um, for us. Like it's the biggest game of the season. Um, and so we got to take that with a grain of salt, but also, you know, make sure that we're prepared every single year, every single game I meant, um, you know, throughout the whole season. I love that. Humble and hungry. I, I just wrote that down. I'm going to use that one. I, I love stealing these as well, just for, you know, future reference or whenever <laughs> else I can throw it around, whenever I see you throwing touchdowns this Saturday. You're taking on Stonehill, 1 p.m. kick on ESPN+. Plus. You guys travel there. How excited are the boys to hit a dude in a different color jersey? It's just about that time of the year, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had uh, one of our DNs um, flex come up to me a couple weeks ago at the NFL camp, uh, and he was like, man, I I wish I could hit you right now, and I'm like, <laughs> I was a lot of about that. Um, and he had been, he had been, you know, getting within a foot of me all practice, and um, he's 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 just an, I mean, he's an amazing player, and so he had been get he had shot a bit to hit someone else, um, and I was like, all right, well, you can save that for Saturday because ultimately I want to see you, you know, demolish his quarterbacks uh, week in and week out, and I'll I'll uh, stay off the butt end of that one because um, that probably wouldn't feel too good from coming from the left side. So um, he. He uh, is very excited for that, and that kind of just describes our our mindset as well. I mean, it's it's fall camp is grueling, and and the fact that one, I mean, it's day in and day out for you know three or four weeks of, of just football every single day from six a.m. to, to eight p.m. But the second part that people don't realize, and I think obviously you realize, you played in the SGS level here, I believe SIU, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So the biggest thing too is you're playing at the same defense for like a month straight, and it gets <laughs> it gets so tiring. And ultimately, you just know exactly what the defense is going to do, and the defenses know what you're going to do. So at that point, it's just like uh, it's the same thing every single day. It gets monotonous. So I think for me personally, it's going to be fun going up like, go like, against a different different defense and and seeing something different that I've been preparing for for a while. Um, instead of seeing you know the same defense we've been playing. I mean, the, the thing for us too. Uh, ultimately, our defense is one of the best defenses in the country. Um, I, I truly believe that we have some of the most talented players ever um, to come through UNH on our defense right now. Um, and so going up against them every single day is is also a good thing for us because they're throwing a lot at us. Um, and so it'll prepare us, you know, for the first game especially, right? Because you don't really know what the defense is going to play for the first game. You know, last year, Monmouth threw a bunch of stuff at us where we weren't prepared. Um, we hadn't seen on film. We had seen something totally different. Um, and obviously the first game is the hardest because you don't know exactly where to throw at you. So, um, you know, the, the reactionary stuff that, that our defense provides um, will be really beneficial for us going to week one. Like I said, it's Stonehill week one, kickoff 1 o'clock on Saturday, ESPN+. Plus. Max, I can confidently say none of our audience really knows who Stonehill is, especially if I don't. But let's just talk about the week one mindset that a quarterback has. How important is this game for you getting this offense going and showing this team that you're worthy of being a captain, you're worthy of taking this team as far as it can possibly go? Yeah, I think week one in general for everyone in the country is the biggest game. You have to kind of set a standard. Um, you gotta, you got to set a standard for the rest of the season. Um, and if, if that standard is, you know, going slow into the game, not prepared, it's going to it's gonna kill the rest of your season. So for us, um, I just, like I assume every other team in the country, it's the biggest one. It's, it's the, it's the kickstart. It's what's going to, you know, fuel your fire throughout the rest of the season. Because once you get in the game one, it rolls. The rest of the season rolls. Um, and there's not really a, a, a stop until your bye week, obviously. And I, I'm not sure where we're you know, depends on what their bye week is, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the, the the week one game is the biggest one in general just because you have to set a tone, set a standard for the rest of the season. Because once you, you know, again, once I, like I said, once you get going, then there's no stopping. So I think, you know, the mindset is, um, you know, dominate each play. Um, you can't win Saturday if you don't win Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday um, throughout the week. And that's the same for every single week throughout the whole season. Um, and so I think for us, we're not really like, we're not antsy at Saturday. We, we are very, very excited to play Saturday, but we're trying to make sure we win the day first, whenever, you know, 
know, rep we can in practice, the mindset that is going to be consistent throughout the whole season. That's what's going to help us win. Yeah, that's very well said. Hey, I want to talk about how FCS quarterbacks view FBS games. Another mindset question here. This one's always big for me. FCS quarterbacks go through this year in and year out. Obviously, you have one of these games scheduled pretty early on in the season, but I had a chat with Sam Herter yeah. of Hero Sports last week and talked about what are some FCS, FBS games you have circled where you think, hmm, I should probably pay attention here. And you guys came up second. You guys take on Central Michigan, I believe, September 9th. That's a 130 kick. Going to Central Michigan, of course. You know, how do you view these games? This is always a question that that I myself, I partook in, and I always thought I went through a whirlwind of emotions, really not knowing what to think. You know, what are we even trying to accomplish here? Because I know on Twitter they're calling this a money game, but on the field I think we can actually win this game. And Sam thought you guys could win this game, and I definitely think you can win this game. And a lot of FCS Nation thinks you can win this game. So how do you approach going up against an FBS team knowing that you're definitely not favored in a game like that? Yeah, I actually I actually love it like that. I, I've always been, you know, even UNH too. I mean, for the past, you know, five, four to five years, um, you know, you know, it's historically was one of the biggest, you know, toughest powerhouses in the FCS for a long time. And the, the, the difference now is like we, we have the, uh, coming to this year is a little bit different, but, you know, the years prior, my freshman year for FIU, Western Michigan last year, like I, I love being an underdog. I, I think you know, the expectation is that, you know, oh, you come out to, to make the money and then play the best game you can but you know and our in reality it's to win the football game um and that's a huge opportunity for one to put new hampshire on the map um and you make plays as a player anyone in the field you put yourself on the map too and like i i think the difference between fbs and fcs is, is so small um in my opinion to be honest it just depends on the level obviously um but it's, it's a really big opportunity for us just to go prove and show people who we are to be honest i think it's a winnable game um it's going to be a tough one you have to prepare um you know, just the same as everything else. It's, it's no different. It's a football game. You're going to go out and play out of fun. Um, preparation does not change. Um, and so I think, you know, the mindset in general is is go on the field and go win the football game. That's not any different than how we play. Always going to Hawaii. Um, obviously, they just played Fordham, and now they're going out to Hawaii. I think it's Hawaii. or Mar- They're playing Marshall and Hawaii this year, I believe. Um, and so they got a couple, you know, big games they're going to be playing. Um, I'm interested to see how that one goes. I think Albany's a really good football team this year. Um, it's a team that I always have circled um, on the uh, schedule. Um, I think they've, you know, we've had, they've had our number for a, year, for a few years, and we, we had we get we got one last year, obviously. But I'm excited to see how that one goes. They're going to have a really good football team. So obviously, we're going to focus on us. Um, we're going to do our best to win the football game. Um, and yeah, we're going from there. Yeah. That's gold, Max. A lot of that's gold. Hey, last one for you here. Be honest with me. It seems like you've been trained to do some interviews and, and talk to some of the media here. I don't want you holding back on this one. We put you guys at 16 on our top 25 list. Too high, too low. Give it to us. Uh, well, obviously my answer is going to be too high. Um, I think that I think every person should should say that. Of course. Number one. Um, I think you know. I think we have one of the one of the best of all teams in the whole country. Um, I, I do. I think number one, we're not sneaking up on anybody, but um, we have some we have some really really um, developed talent here. We have an old team, a veteran team. Um, we are returning like 18 people this year, so um, that, there's no hiding that at all. So I think um, I, I've I've never been a big rankings guy. I've never been you know really doubt in the rankings. I think it's again I think it's poison. I think you're you're training your mind to look at the wrong things. Um, but I think after um, in the first few weeks, you guys are going to see why we should be ranked higher. Um, you guys, I have ultimate respect for all you guys, obviously. So I'm not going to be you know talking bad about how you guys rank teams again because it's not something that I I really pay attention to all that much. But uh, I'm excited to showcase our talent and our team um, and our coaching staff because. We have one of the best, if not the best, in the country. Folks, that is Max Brosmer, New Hampshire starting quarterback. That is who we're chatting with right now. He sounds humble and hungry. Max, thank you for giving the show some time this week. We're rooting for you guys against Stonehill, Central Michigan, all your conference games in the CAA. We'll have eyes on you, and we're looking forward to all of that. Again, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, man. Thanks, Stone. 
You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Want to give thanks to Mr. Max Brosmer, the fine quarterback for New Hampshire, for making time to sit down with Stone Labanowitz for the Stone Cold QBs. Stone, like that young man. Not only can he really play the game and he's a fine quarterback, also pretty good interview. That was nice. He, he seems very intellectual, and I think that's what makes him such a good quarterback. Parlayed that with his raw talent. Max is dangerous, and they have Central Michigan in Week 2, and that was something that we touched on. He said in his work, that that's a winnable game. I believe him when he says that. That New Hampshire team is a sleeping giant. He also talked about returning 18 guys offensively and defensively. That's a good sign. Max has been in the system for three seasons now. I like Max a lot. I like the New Hampshire squad a lot. I think they moved from 16 down to pretty low sooner or later. Stone, we got an awful lot of games to get to for this week and a short time to get there. Let's just get right to the preview segment. Up first, Utah Tech is at number two, Montana State. Stone, Utah Tech lost a whole bunch off the offense last year that was putting up points in the 40s just about every week. Doesn't bode well for a trip to Bozeman with new quarterback and a bunch of new guys on the offense. Yeah, buckle up if you're a Utah Tech fan or player or coach. Just buckle up. That's all I got for you. You're you're walking right into Bozeman. This is going to be a lopsided result. I, I, I think that's uh, surprising to nobody, but we're talking about a Montana State team whose sole goal this year is to win a national championship. The goal here is to keep everybody healthy, keep all of your goodies in the holster. You don't want to show South Dakota State next week opponent. Any new wrinkles, some of the things you're trying to accomplish as a team this season, obviously both offensively and defensively. Montana State has a big one next week with South Dakota State having already played. Obviously, the Jackrabbits are going to be watching this one in close detail. So keep everything close to the holster, but blow them out in Bozeman. That's what I think is going to happen. You know, I think you're probably right here, Stone. But I think there's some question marks, a few of them up front for Montana State. And this will be a good opponent for them to just, you know, kind of come together as a unit and hit somebody else who isn't a Bobcat, I'd kind of hate to be Utah Tech, I think. Eastern Washington is at number four, North Dakota State, from U.S. Bank Stadium, which is the home of the Minnesota Vikings. This one's big time. I'm excited to watch this one, and I'm excited to follow this one as well. I think the the box score is going to be pretty fun when this thing's all said and done with what Eastern Washington likes to do offensively and then the kind of direct opposite of what North Dakota State likes to do. So the thing is, North Dakota State's so good to start the season every single year. They take a lot of pride in that. It's what they do in Eastern Washington, obviously, you got to try to make them feel uncomfortable. Try to run some funky things, showcase some of the new wrinkles you've been working on in OTAs, the summer, fall camp, some of the things you worked on in the spring. But, of course, if the Bison can get them in their grips early on and dictate that time of possession, keep the ball on the ground, they'll eventually pull away here. I don't think uh, as many points are going to be scored in this game as a lot of people think, but I do think North Dakota State pulls away and wins this one comfortably. I mean, we'll see, right? But, I mean, if you're North Dakota State, you just really want to play somebody, right? I mean, you got that bad taste from Frisco still in your mouth. It's been an offseason where people haven't given you the respect that they normally do every offseason and just anoint you the number one team in the country to start the year. I think this is a very important year for NDSU. And this is a very important game for Eastern Washington. If this turns into a track meet stone, Eastern Washington can walk out of there with a victory. And I actually think it's a huge advantage for the Eagles to not be playing this in the Fargo Dome. This They haven't sold a whole bunch of tickets to this ball game. I would doubt if there will be 15,000, 20,000 people there. And Eastern Washington has a real 
opportunity to pull off a monumental upset here. I would not put it past Aaron Best and those offensive guys. It's just a matter of can their defensive line stand up enough and get enough stops to just not allow NDSU to run the ball right down their throat and not even have the threat of passing it. We'll see. This should be a very, very interesting ball game. And in a ball game that won't be all that interesting, Mary Mack is at number seven, Holy Cross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you kind of summed it up, right? Might not be that interesting. Clean up on aisle three here. I love Holy Cross here. We're both, you know, dare I say, on the Holy Cross train this year. Maybe not entirely, but we're definitely supporting them and definitely have a lot of faith in them. I think with Holy Cross's schedule and how it's always weaker than some of the other contenders in the subdivision, they need points and they need a lot of them and they need to dominate in every facet of the game. I think that's what Matthew Saluka, the quarterback under center and captain of this team, he understands that and they're going to punish this Merrimack team pretty hard. Holy Cross, I was not a believer last year, but I'm a believer now. I'm starting to come around a little bit. Matthew Saluka is a fine quarterback and look, the South Dakota State people will tell you that they respected two things about Matthew Saluka. They respected the way he played and his trash talk. Evidently, he's like world class at that. So I expect him to be talking a whole bunch of trash. Holy Cross to score a whole bunch of touchdowns and this will be a fine day if you're a Crusader fan. Now, this next one intrigues me, Stone. Number eight, Incarnate Word, is at UTEP of the FBS. UTEP is not good. I think Incarnate Word is going to be very good. Yeah, Kev, this one is one of them ones. Obviously, with my chat last week with Sam Herter of Hero Sports, I asked him FCS, FBS games, which ones are catching your attention and which ones should we be paying closer attention to than the other ones? And he said, this Incarnate Word team has a real chance to beat UTEP. We saw what Lindsey Scott and company did to Nevada last year, blew them out of the water. I think... I hope we get the same thing here, but who knows? This line's going to be pretty close to a pick when it comes out, but you got to win this one, and you shut everybody up. You know, we had a lot of pushback, a lot of kickback on our top 25 poll. Oh, you guys have UIW too low. You have UIW too high. It's almost like pick a side at this point, but you lose this game, and you'll have losers coming out of the trees to tell us that this isn't the same team without Lindsey Scott. So there's a lot at stake here for the Cardinals. We know what they did last year. Number eight in the country now. Put up or shut up, even though this is harder to grade than most because I, I truly think this this line will be pretty close to a pick em. How bad do you have to be? With the lack of respect that our entire subdivision gets from people up there at the next level, it's not their fault they don't know what they're talking about, right? You're UTEP, and you might be an underdog at home to Incarnate Word? Yikes. Number 10, SEMO is at Kansas State of the FBS. This one, look, Stone, I just feel like I think SEMO is going to have the better quarterback in the game. I think SEMO is going to have the better running back in the game. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you're wrong about the quarterback, right? And I like Paxton DeLorean for the Red Hawks. But Will Howard has been in the system for three years, had a chance to sit behind Skylar Thompson, now the backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Will Howard's experience. I watched him play my Salukis in detail and kind of broke down that film. I was curious. I've never seen Will Howard play. I think he's got the edge on Paxton DeLorean. You might be right about Geno Hess and SEMO having the better running game than Kansas State, obviously. Kansas State loses Deuce Vaughn, but I can't wait to follow this one. I won't be able to watch. I'll be calling SIU versus Austin P. but this one intrigues me. Kansas State's going to be favored by a lot, but SEMO, typically, to start out the season, is really strong, and they're really disciplined, so this could get interesting heading into halftime. That's what I think. You just, If you're SEMO, you just want to hang around see yeah. what happens, and, and just see what happens in the fourth quarter, right? You know, So hang around, be a nuisance, You know, get off the field on defense a couple times, run the football, and who knows? You might just come back with a check and possibly a scalp. Winston-Salem State is at number 11, North Carolina Central. 
I don't think there's a whole lot to see here, Stone, other than the fact that North Carolina Central's quarterback is somebody you should watch play. If it's not this game, you need to watch that guy. I think he's a Sunday football player, Stone. Yeah, I do as well. And maybe it's not this game. Maybe you're right there. North Carolina Central's freaking good, Kev. They're good. They're good. And a lot of people question who, who don't really know this Eagles squad, how good they truly are. Well, tap in because head coach Trey Oliver, he's a dog. He is sick with it. And I think for those who don't know, you're about to find out. Now, this may not be the best test. Winston-Salem State University, I couldn't tell you a lick about them, but North Carolina Central is going to fill up the stat sheet, and I'm excited to kind of watch them do that. And there are going to be some players from this team who kind of emerge as, as studs and, and guys who are going for 8-9 receptions and guys who are getting the ball 22 times as far as the ones in the backfield. So I'm excited. they got a lot going offensively here. Drake is at number 13, North Dakota. This will be a good tune-up for the Fighting Hawks. Much is expected out of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks this year. Good quarterback, Tommy Schuster. I don't know. Uh, they're kind of sitting there at number 13, Stone. Not a whole lot's being said about them, and I think they kind of like it that way. I think North Dakota is going to be a really good football team by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, the Fighting Hawks, they seem to always just sit in that blind spot at the beginning of season, and then when it comes late, obviously, everybody wants to start talking about them, how they're so disciplined, how they do all of these things well. Well, we'll talk about it right now. This is a good football team. They always are. Tommy Schuster's back. They're 4-0 all-time in the series versus Drake, and check this one out, Kev. 36-year streak of consecutive wins in home openers. Yes, I said 30 years. So there's a lot of history with them winning their home openers, and especially against Drake. So I, I think UND gets this one done and creeps a little lower on the top 25 poll. Butler is at number 14, Montana. Stone, albeit this ball game, supposed to be beautiful, sunny, and 72 degrees, which is perfect. Drinking beer in the parking lot and then going to watch the Montana Grizz play. Butler, look, I think them and Drake are pretty similar. You can, you know, hate the Drake. The Butler didn't do it. It's going to be really interesting. But Montana, they need to figure out some personnel issues. And I believe this will be a great opportunity for them to do so at Washington Grizzly Stadium against Butler. Yeah, I think that's well said. This game is all about sorting out your personnel, right? Who's going to emerge as a stud on this team and who are our dudes moving forward? Butler's a good test to do that against, put a lot of good things on tape. Other than that, I don't think there's much here. Montana's going to win this game comfortably and make a lot of those fans, including yourself, pretty happy. Number 16, New Hampshire is at Stonehill. Look, Stonehill is an FCS program, but their stadium is pretty small. I think that UNH is going to overwhelm them in the stands while they're overwhelming them on the football field too, Stone. Yeah, New Hampshire is going to blow them out here. I'm excited for this one. I even told Max in our interview, I can confidently say our audience has no idea who Stonehill is. I myself especially do not know who Stonehill is, but again, similar to what we just talked about with Montana versus Butler, you got to put a lot of good things on tape. You got to play well. Keep everybody healthy. Light the scoreboard up early and often and then maybe get off the field in the fourth quarter. This is a good tune-up game. I like New Hampshire heading forward in the season and I expect them to drop like 50-55 points in this game. They're so good offensively. So many returning players. All of them have been in the system for two, three years now. The same class. I like the Wildcats a lot here and I like them a lot this season. Number 17, Mercer. Is that Mississippi of the FBS? I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here, Stone. Mercer, this is not a week to try to get your offensive healthy against an SEC defense. No, it's most definitely not. Buckle up here. You got a... Ole Miss week one. Got to go into Vaught-Hemingway. That's not fun. Anytime you're in SEC territory week one of the season, it's uh, going to be pretty rowdy, pretty raucous. Mercer, 1-0. They have that to uh, look forward to. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. This is an opportunity similar to what we just talked about with UNH and Montana. Now, you may not be favored in this game, and you may lose this game pretty handily, but you got to put good things on tape. you got to stay healthy. And uh, obviously, they're coming away here with the bag, but buckle up. Like I said, Ole Miss, they're... Uh, supposed to be pretty good this year. Well, Mercer fans, you know, the Grove's nice. That'll be your takeaway. Number 19, Jackson State versus Florida A&M and the Orange Blossom Classic. This one 
one should be really, really interesting, Stone. I don't know if Jackson State is who they were last week, every week. I don't think they'll lose a ball game. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they're favored in this game. We know that now by probably double digits. I think we're all waiting. We've been waiting all summer to see what this team was going to be. All fall camp, obviously, you're hearing good things from TC and Jason Brown and the rest of the gang there. But we got our answers. But now you have to do it again. And I think that's what we're expecting. Orange Blossom Classic Battle of the Bands. This crowd's going to be rowdy. I expect Jackson State and the Tigers to put it on them. Southeastern Louisiana is that Mississippi State of the FBS. I think this is a Mercer Ole Miss type situation. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. This is a tough spot for the Lions here. Just trying to stay healthy. Again, I'm going to regurgitate it. Put some good things on tape because this scoreline is not going to be very friendly to you. So don't put yourself in a box, right? Some of these players are going to be trying to play hero ball. That's what they do, right? This is the biggest game of their career. For most of them, the biggest game of their life, you know, heading forward, going down to Mississippi State. That's big time. Fun place to play, I would imagine. But yeah, this is uh, not fun. I don't wish uh, week one SEC territory upon anybody. Number 21, Eastern Kentucky. Is that Cincinnati? Stone? This one is gettable for the Colonels, I think. <sighs> um, Where do I start? This one is gettable, says Cav. I'm not sure, right? This is uh, almost a new era of Cincinnati, right? They feel as if they need to prove something to the people out there who are doubting their move, right? I, I think Parker McKinney has a chance to show up in this one. You're talking about this game being winnable. I can't really agree with you confidently there, but it's a chance for Parker to shine, and it's a chance for a top 25 team in the FCS to put a lot of good things out there, let people see what they're working with this year, and this is one of those spots where you're allowed to keep things in the holster. You don't have to show everybody what you got, especially when you're playing a team like Cincinnati. But if they can keep this one within like three scores and, and we in the media can grade it out, that's an A-plus to us. Morgan State is at number 22, Richmond. I think the Bears will end up being a good football team. Richmond, they got some question marks to answer, and it starts at home against Morgan State. Yeah, this is a good week one game. They're kind of put on a platter, right? They can get out of here with a... Uh, an easy victory, I think, in my opinion, and I think that's what people were questioning why we even had Richmond in the top 25. So I'm excited that they have Morgan State at the crib. I think they can put on and kind of show everybody that the Spiders are always good and they're going to be consistent. So I like them in the spot. Valpo is at number 23, Youngstown State. Very good article on our website, Season Preview, about the Youngstown State Penguins. This could be the year they return to national prominence, Stone. I agree. I love this Penguin squad. I think we do collectively as FCS Nation, right? All of our writers and everybody who contributes, I think we all believe in Youngstown State. They've been right on the doorstep and it seems like every single year they compete. It's almost parallel with you and I. Like Youngstown State is always competitive and they're never to be slept on. So I think this year might be the year as well. We're rooting for them, hanging right above that 20 spot. So I think they'll creep down and this is a, uh, a good team to tee off on. The uh, new Beacons, they say. Number 25, Western Carolina. Is that Arkansas, the FBS? Again, travel to an SEC team and it's probably going to be a long day for you. Uh, it might not be a long day. It might be the worst day ever for Western Carolina. But my mind immediately goes to how we're going to handle this for next week's top 25 poll, Kev. They sit at number 25, and this scoreline probably won't be pretty, and so we're going to have some figuring out to do. For us, there are things we need to see. You know, that front seven on both sides of the ball. Can you hang with an ICC squad? If so, that's to be noted. We'll we'll take that into consideration moving forward, but there are a few teams right outside that top 25 that might take their spot, but it's almost unfair, right? This week one against Arkansas, a lot of teams aren't playing. I, I think out of the SCS and FBS games, this one might be the most lopsided. I can see Arkansas running this one up 60-plus points in Western Carolina. Got to keep everybody healthy. I know I've said it seven times, but that's the key here in this game. But I'm really questioning what we're going to do with these guys when this game's done. It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll sit down with the Montana State beat writer for the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Mr. Braden Shaw. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Braden Shaw. Braden is the beat writer for Montana State for the Bozeman Montana Daily Chronicle. Thanks for being here, Braden. Really appreciate it, sir. Yeah, thanks, Kevin, for having me. Montana State's a very interesting football team, Braden. It's one of the only places, I think, in America that runs that two-quarterback system effectively. Neither of those guys have any ego, do they, or else it wouldn't work. I, th- I think you're exactly right. You know, I, I think they constantly um, credit each other any chance they can get, you know, whether it's from a leadership perspective or an on-field play perspective. I, I think I think it's one of those things where going into last season, a lot of people were wondering how that would work out, right? You know, it, what would it be like not having, I guess, one true starter at quarterback? But they, they played off each other so well. You know, I think offensive coordinator Taylor Houseride and head coach Brent Vegan found ways to get them both on the field at the same time and obviously to share the ball as well. And even, you know, when they dealt with some injuries last year, um, Tommy Malat, when he went down against <clears throat> against Eastern Washington. Um, Sean Chambers stepped right into that starting role against Davis and a couple other games. And same thing when Chambers went down later in the season, Tommy Mallott stepped back in. So, yeah, I think they just played off each other so effectively, and I don't really see any reason um, that would stop in 23. Is it an unsuccessful season if Montana State does not win the national championship this year? Um, You know, I I think if you ask uh, Montana State players, um, I think they would certainly say that because, you know, I think being so close the last few seasons and getting to that semifinal game year after year and just coming up short against the Dakota State School, um, I think that is the goal, you know. And I think that, yeah, from their perspective, it absolutely would be. Now, from an outside perspective, I think even getting to a semifinal game or even getting back to Frisco, I think, would absolutely be a successful season. But it's just it's just tough not to think, you know, it's national title or bust for a team that's bringing so many pieces back and already has all that um, that valuable experience. Now, there's been some shakeup on the offensive line since last season. Some guys graduated. The depth chart came out. What were the surprises for the depth chart for game one against Utah Tech? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of these um, – these these spots were expected um you know i think i think obviously bringing a lot of starters back you know seven starters on the defense especially and you know like nolan askelson didn't start last year but he stepped into that will linebacker role that callahan o'reilly had last year but um you know i think i look at cornerback um you know that was kind of a heated uh race i would say you know obviously simeon woodard was having that one spot but it was really kind of uh, a debate about who would take on that other side that james campbell occupied last year and it turned out to be miles jackson at least to start and you know brent vegan said at his press conference this week that it would be kind of uh more of a rotation you know miles jackson andrew powdrill who's a true freshman um is listed behind him but they're going to use kind of those two simeon john johnson is a transfer from junior college and devin davis um kind of in rotation in that spot so um i thought that was an interesting one on lane sumner um getting the start at running back was interesting i know he Technically started um, Gold Rush last year, even though Kagan Williams, who was the uh, transfer from San Diego State, was listed as the starter heading into Gold Rush, although he got hurt and never actually ended up playing a down for MSU. Um, but he, Elaine Sumner got banged up last year, but it was kind of between him and uh, Wisconsin transfer Julius Davis um, who would get that starting role, and that could change um, as the season goes along. Um, Connor Moore um, at left tackle um, was an interesting one. I know he redshirted last year, and he was getting a lot of snaps actually um, in fall camp kind of with the one um, at left tackle. And I know that they talked about position versatility um, a lot on that offensive line. So him getting a left tackle, shifting rush rhymer to left guard, 
having Omar Igbedi on um, at right, starting at right guard. Um, a little bit of a shakeup there, but a lot of familiar faces. And I know they're really high on Connor Moore. And so um, I guess slightly surprising, although it's kind of <clears throat> maybe somewhat expected um, there. And, and then I guess the other one, um, maybe not a surprise, but an interesting um, pick nonetheless is Lavelle Price, who's, who's a guy who's from the Choate era. Um, and it's just really kind of, I guess, waited for his moment, you know, behind Ty Okada, who was obviously the nickelback for the last couple of seasons. And him and him and Caden Dowler are kind of, I think, going to get equal snaps at least early on in the season at that nickel spot. And I guess we'll kind of see how that goes from there. But those are just a few um, spots that kind of stood out to me from the depth chart. Montana State has produced a lot of really good wide receivers, Lady Lynch, McCutcheon, you know, guys like that. Who were the guys this year who are going to catch the ball from Malott and Chambers? Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, obviously the first name is Cleveland Thomas um, Jr., who's the transfer from Kentucky. He played last season, and now he's kind of stepped into more of a leadership role um, in that in that wide receiver room. He was, he was mostly in the slot last year, but he'll be more on the outside. And, um, you know, I, I think two guys that transferred in um, this offseason that are I think are really, um, at least, you know, uh, the MSU coaches are very high on, are Lanyata Alexander, Alexander Jr., um, transfer from Washington, and Ty McCulloch, who is a transfer from uh, Colorado State. And Ty will be on the outside. Uh, Jr. will be on, at the, in the slot. And, um, and I think they're, they're really high on those guys. I think Ty McCulloch, is, um, he was also listed as the starting punt returner. I think his speed is something that is going to be really interesting to watch, it's as, as if they needed another offensive weapon that was super fast on that offense. Um, and so, yeah, and, and you know, obviously, uh, whenever he does return, um, Taco Dowler will be in that lineup at some point, um, you know, after he recovers um, fully from his shoulder surgery. And then you never know when uh, Marky Johnson will pop up. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, he's listed as a starting kick returner, but he, he's such a dynamic weapon, another super fast guy. And, yeah, so I think those are probably a few of the names that um, that will be some of the top receivers this year. We've got about 30 seconds left, Braden. What's going to surprise people about this Montana State team? Are they going to be just as physical as they've been in the past, or are they going to be able to push the ball down the field vertically? I think that's been something that's missing, and it needs to be there if they're to get to where they want to get. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I think that passing attack is really the biggest question because that's something they've been pushing, you know, in fall camp. And I think whether you talk to coaches, you know, head coach Brent Vegan, talk to position coaches, talk to players, I mean, they've all talked about – they want to pass more. You know, the offensive line has been working on pass pro um, so much more in fall camp as opposed to previous years. And, you know, the quarterbacks want to pass more. The receivers are more excited to get the ball more in, in a, in, as vertical threats. And, yeah, I just think really the biggest thing I'm looking for for that offense, um, and, you know, I think week two against South Dakota State may be a better test of this than the gold rush game, but uh, how balanced that offense will be, I guess, and if they're able to push the ball downfield through the air as effectively as they were on the ground last year. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Braden Shaw, the Montana State beat writer for the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. Thanks for being here, Braden. Really appreciate it. I'll see you at a ball game this year. Heck, I'll probably see you next week in Brookings. Looking forward to it, my friend. For sure. Thanks again, Kevin. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto 
Radio Network. It's now time for my favorite time of the week. This is the pick segment where Stone Labanowitz and I butt face mask and pick the biggest games taking place around FCS football. Up first, Utah Tech is at number two, Montana State. Give me Montana State 50, Utah Tech 10. Sorry about it. Stone, like we discussed in the previous segment, Utah Tech will have some semblance of a pretty good offense, but the Bobcat defense will be too much here. Take Montana State over Utah Tech 42-17. Eastern Washington at number four, North Dakota State from U.S. Bank Stadium. I'm rocking with North Dakota State here. They're going to drop 31, Eastern Washington only 14. I like the Bison. I said it before, this is a very interesting, interesting matchup. The Eagles' new QB can really spin it. Started one game last year and looked really good. He's mobile. NDSU, they just want to play a game, right? Forget about last year. It's over with. And the Eagles, they're going to give the Bison a whole lot of trouble. But I think NDSU has enough to pull it out. Take the Bison over Eastern Washington, 31-28. Merrimack is at number seven, Holy Cross. Ooh, clean up on aisle three. Give me the Crusaders 38-7 to over Merrimack. This one's not going to be close, and it won't be close at any point during this football game. Way too much here from Holy Cross. It'll be the worst defeat for Merrimack since Hampton Roads. Crusaders 38-3. Number eight, Incarnate Word is at UTEP. Yeah, Kev, I talked a little bit about Incarnate Word and the turnover they have and how this game's probably going to be a pick em. I think the scoreline dictates that as well. I think UTEP wins this game, but not by much. Give me UTEP 35-32 over Incarnate Word. Number 10, SEMO is at Kansas State of the FBS. Well, Stone, SEMO has quarterback Paxson DeLaurent and running back Geno Hess, right? So they'll always have a shot as long as those two fellas have a seat on the bus. But I think this one gets out of hand late. Pretty good ball game for maybe two and a half, three quarters. But take Kansas State over SEMO, 42-17. Yeah, you're hoping to keep this one close heading into the locker room at halftime. But Kansas State is going to pull away late in this game. I think Will Howard has a clean day. Looking for some success from Geno Hess, right? I want to see that that offensive line keep him upright and give him his 100-yard landmark that he always hits. But Kansas State's going to win this game. I got them 52-17 over SEMO. Winston-Salem State is at number 11, North Carolina Central. Not sure if Winston-Salem scores in this game. I, I just don't. I, I really don't. North Carolina Central is going to have a lot of fun in the end zone. You're going to see some celebrations, some dances. This team is known to have fun. Trey Oliver is going to talk a little bit of that talk. I like the Eagles here. 38-7 over Winston-Salem. You know, when you say that, Stone, I hope the FCC is not listening because those are both tobacco products, and I'm not sure if we're allowed to advertise for tobacco <laughs> products. Winston-Salem. But I do know this. North Carolina Central quarterback Davius Richard, he'll do as much as he wants for as long as he wants. Eagles, 48-3. Drake is at number 13, North Dakota. This game's going to be closer than a lot of people suspect. I got North Dakota coming out of this game 28-14 over Drake, but this one's going to be a slow burn. I don't think either of these teams pack a punch offensively. They are very gimmicky, very gadget-oriented, so I think early on they'll be trying to find their way, right? Kick all the dust off, all the cobwebs off. I got North Dakota here 28-14 over Drake. Look, the Fighting Hawks have big hope for this season big hopes, like winning their conference, getting to the national championship hopes. I hate the Drake here. Take North Dakota, 38-10. Butler's at number 14, Montana. I like Montana in the spot. I like Montana big. We talked about it. 27-10. This one's going to be over with pretty soon in Montana coasts. Well, Stone, I'll be at this one. It's going to be beautiful weather. Washington Grizzly Stadium, home opener, high noon kickoff. What more could you ask for than that? This game is a heck of a lot more about the Grizz than it is about Butler. They need to find out who's going to be their quarterback. They need to find out who's going to help them on the outside and who their guys are going to be up front. So this is more of a, of a let's find out who we are. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. But I do think Montana will win. and They'll pour it on late. Grizz, 42-7.
Number 16, UNH is at Stonehill. I'm just going to go out there and make a prediction real quick. Max Brosmer is going to have five touchdowns in the air, and he's going to run one in. I'm thinking six touchdowns for Max Brosmer. You heard it right here, right now. I think UNH finishes this game 50-10 to 10 over Stonehill. I love the Wildcats this year. I'm putting a stamp on it right now. I did this in week one last year with Incarnate Word. I think I might do it with New Hampshire. This team's dangerous, man. Quarterback Max Brosmer and the Wildcats will have a field day here, and Stonehill will have no answer. Wildcats 41, Stonehill 7. Number 17, Mercer is at Mississippi of the FBS. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off here. I got the Rebels 58-14 over Mercer. This is going to be a long day. Again, I'm going to keep spitting it out there for Mercer. Your goal here is to keep everybody healthy. Ole Miss 58, Mercer 14. Mercer needs to get their stuff in a pile on offense, and I'm afraid we're going to have to wait one more week to see if they can do it, Stone. Not a good matchup here for the Bears. Rebels 45, Mercer 17. Number 19, Jackson State versus Florida A&M in the Orange Blossom Classic. Yeah, Jackson State is going to double fame you score here. I got them winning this one 42 to 20. I think Jason Brown has another good day offensively. They have some more fun. And then T.C. Taylor, another big smile on his face post game. I've learned my lesson. I'm not picking against T.C. Taylor and quarterback Jason Brown and the Jackson State Tigers. Not doing it. Jackson State wins 38-24. Number 20, Southeastern Louisiana, is at Mississippi State. It's tough for a team in our top 25 to go down to Mississippi State. Hopefully, they put enough on tape for us to be able to keep them on that list, but this one's going to get ugly early. This thing's going to get ugly late as well. It's just not going to matter. Mississippi State, 65-17. You know, this game is not a good matchup for Southeastern Louisiana. They're going to be a good football team, and they're going to hear their name called again when the playoff selections are made. They're going to be good. You just won't be able to tell it by what's going to happen today. Take Mississippi State over Southeastern Louisiana, 58-10. Number 21, Eastern Kentucky, is at Cincinnati of the FBS. I hope this one's close heading into the locker room at halftime, right? That's always the gauge with these FCS-FBS game. What's the scoreline in halftime, right? How can that coach get them coming out of the gates in the third quarter? That's typically where you'll see the fleet flicker, the end around. Some of that gadget stuff that a coach always has in their back pocket for an FBS team. I hope we see some of that, but I don't think we will. Cincinnati 48-20 over EKU. I think the Colonel's got a puncher's chance here. I mean, heck, they got a six-year quarterback and Parker McKinney, and he can really spin it. And look, they they got nothing to lose. I think you go up there if you're the Colonels, empty the barrel, shoot every bullet you got at them and see what happens. I don't think it's going to be enough, but I think it'll be a closer football game than you do, Stone. I think Cincinnati wins over Eastern Kentucky, 31-24. Morgan State is at number 22, Richmond. Give me the spiders, 24-17 over the Bears. I agree. Richmond, 35. Morgan State, 10. Volpo is at number 23, Youngstown State. I like Youngstown State a lot in this game. I'm going to go 35-14 over Valpo. I don't see Valpo having much success in this one. The Penguins roll here over Valpo. Youngstown State, 42. Valpo, 10. Number 25, Western Carolina is at Arkansas of the FBS. Close your eyes, folks. Arkansas, 67. Western Carolina, 7. This one's a slaughtering. Look, the SoCon generally does a lot better than that in these types of matchups, Stone. Even SoCon teams that aren't great. I think Western will keep it closer than that, but I do believe that Arkansas will win 42-13. And that brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. I'd like to thank our guests, New Hampshire quarterback Max Brosmer and Montana State beat writer for the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Braden Shaw. FCS Nation is co-hosted by and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football Saturday. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.